Hello friends, Pastor Lowell here again. Welcome back to number seven in our series, Return to Rome. We are in the second session, section, is which is the Pope Francis Effect and Agenda. Let's begin with a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that again we can turn our attention to end-time events. We pray your blessing as we consider what we face and what we will face. Keep us faithful to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the continuation of the Pope Francis effect and agenda. We have discovered that Pope Francis is not only a popular pope, popular person, but also he is a Jesuit. We read what Ellen White had to say about the Jesuits. And our question now is where is this Jesuit priest, Jesuit pope, taking the Catholic Church? Where is he wanting to take the Christian world? I want to read here from the Religion News Service. This was back in 2014, March 11, which said, Analysis, to understand Pope Francis, look to the Jesuits. And the article said this, He may act like a Franciscan, but he thinks like a Jesuit, quipped the Reverend Tom Reese, a fellow Jesuit who is a columnist for the National Catholic Reporter. So keep in mind that while he may act like a Franciscan, he, Franciscan, he thinks like a Jesuit. And of course that's why he lives the life he lives. I'm reading on from the Religion News Service. Indeed, quote, indeed, behind that Jesuit label lies a centuries-old history and a unique brand of spiritual formation that go a long way to toward understanding who Francis is and where he is taking the church, end of quote. And it's not just where he's taking the Catholic Church, it's where he's taking the Christian community. He is a Jesuit, and he is, his goal is to lead the world in Jesuit worship, Jesuit spiritual worship. You may remember that St. Ignatius Loyola had a number of spiritual encounters. He wrote a book entitled The Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, which has become a very popular book even among Protestants as they're seeking to revive or to rejuvenate their spiritual experience. They're turning to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, who was the founder of the Jesuits. And there are many books that have been written that are similar in their direction. Books like God Calling, Jesus Calling, and others. I want to read a statement from Leonard Sweet. He is a uh, popular personage, a Protestant, promoting this mystical worship experience of the Jesuits. He said, quote, Mysticism, once cast to the sidelines of the Christian tradition, is now situated in postmodernist culture near the center. In the words of one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, Jesuit philosopher of religion, dogmatist Karl Rammer, the Christian of tomorrow will be a mystic 
one who has experienced something or he will be nothing, end of quote. So Leonard Sweet is essentially saying, if you're not a mystic, you are nothing. <laughs> What's a mystic? Here's what the dictionary says. This is the Merriam-Webster dictionary. A mystic is a person who tries to gain religious or spiritual knowledge through prayer and deep thought. Someone who practices mysticism. Now certainly there's nothing wrong with prayer and deep thought. But what the mystic does, he, he or she seeks to obtain divine enlightenment not from a holy book, but from a revelation, from some divine source. They don't really accept the Bible because they believe that the divine speaks directly to them. Here's what Tony Campalo said. He's another person, popular person, who goes around doing lectures on this type of Christianity, the spiritual exercises that you can do to enhance your Christian experience. He says this, Quote, I learned about this way of having a born-again experience from reading Catholic mystics, especially the spiritual exercises of Ignatius Loyola. End of quote. So here's this Protestant, another Protestant, that's turning to the Jesuit form of spirituality to have a born-again experience. There's an article that you can find on the Lighthouse Trails Research website entitled A Jesuit Pope? Question mark. Understanding the Jesuit Agenda and the Evangelical Protestant Church. I would invite you to, to look up that article. You can find it at lighthousetrailsresearch.com. So you type in www.lighthousetrails.com research.com it's just like it's spelled just like it sounds lighthouse trails research.com and read the article entitled a jesuit pope understanding the jesuit agenda and the evangelical protestant church and in the article it says this. This is from the website. It says, It's important to understand that mysticism is the bridge that unites all the religions of the world. In order to unite them, there would need to be a uniting common denominator, so to speak. That common uniting medium is mysticism. End of quote. Now, you understand that back during the Reformation, the Jesuits were working through military means, persecution, the Inquisition, other bloody tribunals, to force Protestants to come back to Mother Rome. Of course, today, you don't find those bloody type of uh, things happening, not so much anyway, persecution where people are dying at the hands of the Inquisition or the hands of the Jesuits. You don't see that very often. But the goal of the Jesuits to bring Protestants back to Mother Rome is still there. And they're using other means, one of which is this spiritual formation, Jesuit spirituality. Let me read on now in the same article from Lighthouse Trails Research Project. It says, if Protestants and Evangelicals can be convinced to practice mysticism, 
that is contemplative, contemplative prayer, the contemplative exercises, centering prayer, breath prayer, uh, meditation where your goal is to empty your mind of all thought to where God can speak to you. This is, this is Jesuit spirituality. So it says, if Protestants and evangelicals can be convinced to practice mysticism, that is contemplative, this conditions them to begin embracing Rome and even all religions. End of quote. That's exactly where Pope Francis is taking the church, taking the Christian community. That's why these types of exercises have become more popular, more and more popular, I mean, among Protestants. And what's frightening is we are seeing this type of spirituality creeping now even into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. There are even professors that are teaching this Jesuit form of spirituality centering prayer, breath prayer, uh, meditation, where the goal is to empty your mind of thought rather than to meditate on God's Word or meditate on the spirit of prophecy. And the idea is to have an experience. People want to experience God rather than obeying God. That's the direction that Pope Francis is taking the church and the world. Now, there are some things we can learn from this Jesuit Pope. He is a follower of Jesus. Well, he professes to be a follower of Jesus. Jesuit means a follower of Jesus. And for we Seventh-day Adventists, we should be the true followers of Jesus, reflecting his character in our actions. You can hardly fault Pope Francis for the things that he does. But you understand he does them because he's a Jesuit. We should do similar things, ministering to the sick, the poor, renouncing the world, living a humble life, a simple life, and we should do it because we are true followers of Jesus. Pope Francis visits prisons, and we as Seventh-day Adventists, we ought to visit prisons, prison ministry. Then, of course, Pope Francis, he ministers to the sick and the poor, and that's certainly something that Seventh-day Adventists can be doing today. He renounces the world. He wears a simple watch, simple black plastic Casio watch, because he's a Jesuit. And, of course, some of us, we wear very expensive watches. We want to show off our our wealth. We ride in a... We drive in expensive cars to show our status, where we have arrived. The Pope, when he drives around, he rides around in a simple car. We can learn some things from the Pope and practice them as true followers of Christ, true Seventh-day Adventists, renouncing the world. Did you know that Pope Francis spends two hours each morning for prayer and meditation? Of course, it's the Jesuit form of prayer and meditation where you empty your mind of all thought. But we as Seventh-day Adventists, we ought to do something similar, spending more time in prayer, meditation. We are told it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation, meditation of the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes. We as Seventh-day Adventists, we don't pray enough. Pope Francis prays two hours every morning. How about you, friend? How much time do you spend every morning in prayer? Or how much time do you spend totally every day in prayer? 
We can learn some of the lessons from this Jesuit Pope and apply them to our lives, we who profess to be looking for Christ's soon return. Well, friends, we've looked at number one, the death of Protestantism. We've looked at number two, positive view of the papacy. We're going to move on in our next presentations to number three, religious unification. Our next time, we'll be studying section three, Thirsty for Unity, How Rome Will Unite the World. Let's end with a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we today can be true Christians. We pray you'd help us to truly be followers of Jesus in our life and character. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friend, Pastor Lowell here saying to you, God be with you until we meet again.